seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you for being here. I want to I want to say again how happy we are to see Pastor and Sister Sizemore and several members of our Grace Point Church family that are here today. God bless you. Amen. We just love being able to worship together in the middle of the week. Something about coming together in the middle of the week and worshiping God. That just does your heart so good. And, and it feels good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. And we thank God for each and every person that is here. We're going to look to the word of the Lord. And I want to speak to you about a subject that I think will be important for all of us to, to consider. And uh, hopefully it will be a blessing to you. And give you strength. But I want to talk to you about living for God in the last days. Living for God in the last days. Uh, you do know that we're living in the last days. And uh, that Jesus is coming back. And he's going to set up his kingdom. Praise the Lord. He's going to set up his kingdom. You know we're looking for the kingdom of God. That's what we're looking for is the kingdom of God. Uh, we're not looking for the kingdom of the Antichrist. We're not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ. Amen. The spirit of Antichrist has been in the world for a very long time. But we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Praise the Lord. And we're living in, we're living in frightening times when you consider uh, the advancing of the enemy and his desire and his work, but it's not frightening to the people of God. It is not frightening to the people of God. The people of God are prepared for this. And you may sit there and hear me say that and think, well, I hope some folks are prepared for this. But the fact is you are to be prepared for this. And that's what we want to do tonight is just kind of help us to be more and more prepared for what the Lord would have us to do and what the Lord would have us to be. So I want to begin by reading from a few verses of Scripture in Luke chapter 17 uh, and beginning at verse 26. Here is a preface uh, for us to understand what it's going to be like in the last days and how we should be prepared for it. Luke chapter 17, verse 26. Before we start reading, let me say that we are not to be afraid. We are not to be afraid. We are not of the fearful. We are not of the fearful. We are of the faithful. And, and that, that does not mean that you are not human. That doesn't mean that you don't have human emotion. You do. We all do. Uh, but we, we do not subscribe to the idea that, well, I'm only human. We are not just only human. We are human and we have the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And so that makes all the difference in the world. Do you know that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power? Hallelujah. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And that power gives you the ability to overcome things like fear. So we're going to talk about that and talk about how to live for God in the last days. Luke chapter 17, verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day... He which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. He that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife, a three 
worded verse that is loaded with understanding. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. And so we want to talk to you a little bit about living for God in the last days. Because the Bible says that the last days are going to be a lot like the days of Noah when he went into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all uh, that were not in the ark. And it's going to be a lot like the days of Lot when uh, Lot and his family escaped. And the same day that they escaped, there was fire and brimstone that fell from heaven and, uh, and, and, and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that the fire and the brimstone destroyed them all. And so I want to talk to you just a little bit about that because we're all getting this sense, are we not, that uh, like it could happen any moment. Uh, you know, it's just kind of like, wow, this is getting worse and worse. Uh, and uh, people are turning their back on God and it's, they're, they're, they're pushing God out of the equation and the, per, the perversion is getting worse. The violence is getting worse. The corruption is getting worse. And I say it's getting worse, but, but understand something. This stuff has been here for a long time. Ever since the fall of man, uh, there has been increasing violence and increasing perversion and increasing corruption. So, so when you get into the matter of the corruption that is found, say, in the days of Noah, in the days of Noah, the Bible says that the thoughts of man and the imaginations of man were only evil continually. They were only evil, continually. There was nothing in their thinking that was not evil. Everything those people, outside of Noah and his family, Noah found grace in the sight of God, but everything outside of Noah and his family, their imaginations were only evil, and it was continuous. And to that, God said, I'm going to destroy everything. I'm going to wipe all of it off the face of the earth as if it had never been created but Noah found grace in the sight of God. Noah found favor in the sight of God. And so God said, I'm going to save Noah and his house. And the way that God saved Noah was he gave him a plan. He gave him a blueprint. And this blueprint was the wherewithal that Noah used to save himself and his household. And that's very important. He saved himself and his household. So if you have young children here tonight, understand what an impetus that places on us that we must save our households. And if you've got children that are not young, maybe they're grown, you can still see a miracle of salvation in your family's life. Praise God. And so one of the things that we need to, to look at here is that Jesus said it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. Now he describes what it was like. He says that they ate, they drank. So they were given to appetite. Okay, they were given to appetite. They, they, they consumed upon the lusts of their flesh. Their flesh hungered, their flesh craved, they had appetite, and they indulged in what their flesh wanted. So they ate and they drank. They, were, they married wives and they were given in marriage. This is not just talking about wedding ceremonies. This is referring to promiscuity, that they were engaging in the act of marriage uh, and, and it, was not, it was not discriminatory, it was, it was not monogamous, it was, it was promiscuity. They, were married, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. 
Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They also ate. They also drank. And then he went into more detail. He said they bought, they sold, they planted, and they builded. So they were engaged in their economy. And you know, the thing that we see in this is not just the fact that these people were uh, that these people were wicked, that these people were violent, that these people were perverse, but also that these people were going about their daily lives. They were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage, and along with that came all the perversion and all of the violence and so forth that came with it. But there was also a lot of day-to-day -day activity going on, and it's possible to think that just because things seem normal to you that they're normal and that they'll be normal forever. And if we've learned anything in the last year and a half, we know that normal doesn't last forever. And normal can change rather quickly. And so this normal that they had become used to, it did change. The Bible says that, that they were drinking, eating, marrying wives, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. The same day Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone. So let's talk a little bit about this. One thing we know about these encounters and the people of these days and how it will be similar to the days in which we live is that Noah found grace in the sight of God. That's you. You are Noah. You're the one. Who finds grace in the sight of God. Everybody say, I'm Noah. Noah. You are the one that finds grace in the sight of God. Praise the Lord. You are the one that receives the blueprint of the Lord. You are the one that is given the cubic inches and the dimensions of an ark that will absolutely be to the saving of your house for the glory of the Lord. God wants to give you the dimensions necessary to save yourself from what Peter described as this untoward generation. Praise the Lord. And so that's what you have to understand. And when you do that, you find grace in the sight of God. So what do we see in the story of Noah? We see that Noah had ongoing communication with the Lord. If you want to live for God in the last days, you're going to have to have ongoing communication with God. Gone are the days of you letting somebody else do your praying for you. Gone are the days of you letting somebody else do your committing to God for you. Now it's real, and you've got to be committed to God yourself. You've got to have a prayer life. You've got to be able to hear the voice of God. You must be able to know that's the Lord talking to me. And you can confirm it when you look into the word of the Lord. Let's move on to the story of Lot and the days of Lot. You cannot talk about the days of Lot without talking about the man named Abraham. Abraham was a key, integral figure in the story of Lot. Abraham was the one that interceded on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now I want to pause there and, and just point something out. When I use the words Sodom and Gomorrah, immediately in our minds we think of debauchery, we think of, of vile living, we think of evil cities that were deserving of the punishment of God, they were devoured by fire and brimstone. So everybody knows, if, if you were to say, I tell you what, this world is just turning into Sodom and Gomorrah, 
you're, you're saying this world has become totally perverse, this world has become totally violent, this world knows nothing about God, wants nothing to do with God. And, and so that's what we mean when we say Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham interceded on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham wanted to see those cities saved. Abraham knew how debauched they were. He knew how unclean they were. He knew how perverse they were, how vile they were. And he wanted to see them saved and spared the judgment of God. We must never think of the judgment of God in terms of, boy, I hope God gets them real good. We must always have this mindset of God have mercy God, pour out your love upon. When you look out across this world that we live in, I, 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 you can every day you'll, write, you'll read multiple articles if you pay any attention to the news of absolute debauchery where people are confused about, about whether they're male or female and the enemy is just pressing and pushing for that to be the case. He wants to confuse people because when people are a genuine, when a man is a genuine man of God, he reflects the glory of God in a very wonderful way. And when a woman is genuinely a woman of God, she reflects the glory of God in such a beautiful way. And, and the enemy knows that when the world gets a good, clear view and vision of a man and a woman of God, then they're able to see the glory of the Lord. And you look out across our world today, and it, it's like everybody's lost their minds. It it's, it's just seems like total insanity. And, and so it, it appears that people just have lost their moral compass completely. And, and, and it's easy to look at that derisively and say that I just throw my hands up. There's just no hope for this world. They're, they've all gone mad. And, and that's not the way Abraham looked at it. Abraham looked at these people and said, Lord, have mercy upon them. Our prayer has always got to be and must always be with the idea of people being saved. Give me a few more opportunities, Lord, to preach the gospel to them. Give me a few more opportunities to show them the truth and the love of God. Notice this in Acts chapter 17. We talked a little bit about it last week, but I want to bring your attention to it again. Acts 17, and, and the Bible says in verse 16, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Okay? He saw the city completely given to idolatry. Now that means, and listen, the idols that they would worship in Athens, were the, the idols demanded ritualistic worship that was absolutely uh, degradable. It was a horrible act of worship on a number, in a number of ways. And Paul is observing this in Athens. And when he did, he did not cast condemnation upon those people and say, you're all just a bunch of heathens. I'm getting out of here. That's not what he did. Because listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said they're already condemned. They don't need us to condemn them anymore. They're already condemned. What they need is they need for God to step in and do a work of redemptive salvation. And the Bible says while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred within him. That's what has to happen when we look upon our world and we see them in such a degraded state is our spirit must be stirred within us and see them 
in need of salvation from the Lord. Amen. So when you look out, across, the first step to living for God in the last days, when you start looking out over this world and you see in these last days how bad everything seems to be getting, that ought not to send you into some self-righteous spiral. That ought to send you to your knees in prayer. Where you say, God, let me be a light to this lost world. Let me be a beacon to this world that needs salvation. Let me be the Christian you've anointed me to be. Let me be the prayer warrior that the Word teaches me to be. Let me be the one that will bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are in need of salvation. And so when we look at the story of Lot in the days of Lot, that's Abraham. Abraham was the intercessor. He was interceding. On behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know what his prayer was? He said, Lord, if there be 50 righteous, will you spare the cities? Now, there were a lot of people in those cities. And he's asking God just for 50 righteous. And, and God said, I will spare the city for 50 righteous. And Abraham said, how about 40 righteous? He's, he's bartering now with God, trying to get him where he wants him to be. And again, notice this. In the days of Noah... There was a man of God who had open communication with God, so open that he understood the dimensions of the ship needed to provide salvation for he and his family. Abraham, in the days of Lot, has such open communication with God that he is literally having a back and forth dialogue with God where he is saying, if, you'll, if, you, if I can find 40 righteous... 30 righteous, 20 righteous, will you spare the city? That's the kind of communication you got to have with God if you're going to live in the last days for the Lord. If you don't have open communication with God, you are in trouble. You've got to have a prayer life, a prayer life. In fact, I'll say it this way, not just a prayer life, but a life of prayer. Sometimes when we say a prayer life, we, we give the indication that that's something we do, and it's, it's, it's the part of our life where we pray. But that's not how prayer is supposed to work. Prayer is to consume us. We're to continually be in prayer before God if we're living for God in the last days. And so Abraham is talking with God, and he's like 50 righteous. Okay, how about 40? How about 30? 20? Finally, he says, 10 righteous. And God said, I will spare the cities God was willing to spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah if 10 people were righteous. Now, I want you to understand, there's a reason why Abraham didn't say, five, four, three, two, one, blast off. There's a reason why he didn't bring him all the way down, because he knew of 10 people who should have been righteous. 10 people who should have been righteous. We know about Lot. Lot should have been righteous. Remember Lot's wife? She should have been righteous. The Bible says that he had daughters who had never known a man. The Bible said he had sons-in-law. If he had sons-in-law, that means he had daughters who had known a man. And he had sons. So there were at least ten who should have been righteous. And Abraham knew there are ten I know who are righteous. And what he found was that those who should have been righteous weren't righteous. I'm telling you what, just your righteous life alone can save whole cities. 
I, I'm convinced that, that, you know, people have asked, well, surely God's going to pour out his judgment upon America anytime soon because America has gone so far against God. I'm just waiting for the heavens to open and the lightning bolts to come. And, 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 and you know what? I don't know when that's going to happen because we've got some righteous people who may be holding back the judgment of God. Amen. And, and, and listen, don't ever, don't ever, the Bible says weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. Don't get that twisted and start weeping with them that rejoice and rejoicing with them that weep. Don't get excited when people fall into the judgment of God. Pray that God will have mercy. That's how we pray for our nation. We pray for our nation. Lord, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, cleanse our land. Heal our nation. Bless our nation. Lord, help our leaders. Strengthen our leaders. Lord, take corruption out of any government uh, situation. Lord, remove for corruption and the love of money from our land and remove the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. We've got to pray. You know that that's how Daniel prayed for Babylon. That's how Daniel prayed for Israel. That's how Jeremiah prayed. That's how Isaiah prayed. They prayed for the nation. That's how Abraham prayed. Lord, have mercy if there be ten righteous. And then he went eagerly looking for those who were righteous. And they weren't as they should have been. So this is why it's important for you to live for God in the last days. Because your example alone, your life alone, is going to have an impact upon your neighborhood, upon your community, upon your city. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell, listen, I'm going to tell, the Bible says everything that can be shaken shall be shaken. If you can be shaken, you shall be shaken. If you can be plucked up, you're going to be plucked up. It's not, it's not a matter, it's not a matter of whether it will or maybe or may not. No, it's going to happen. You better be rooted and grounded in the love of God, in the truth of God. You better be sold out. I'm not, no more room for hypocrisy in your heart. No more room. No more room for hypocrisy in your spirit. No more room for grudges. No more room for unforgiveness. No more room for you to be carnal. Carnally minded is death. Spiritual mindedness is life and peace. It's time to be serious about living for God. It's time to be sold out to living for God. Hallelujah. And so we live for God in these last days. And the Bible teaches us about what it's going to be like. The scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, here we are, I charge thee, this is Paul talking to Timothy, verse 1, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, it is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That's where we are. People don't want to endure sound doctrine because sound doctrine requires endurance. Sound doctrine is sound teaching. It's the teaching of the word of God and you will endure it. You know why people don't like sound doctrine and why they often don't endure it? It's because sound doctrine is not a, it's not a quick fix. Sound doctrine 
It is a seed being planted, and it is a seed growing, and, and it takes time for that seed to develop, and there's going to be fruit to come, and there's going to be enemies to attack, and there's going to be times you want to quit. There's going to be times you want to turn back. There's going to be times you want to throw in the towel. You're going to go through trials, fiery trials. You're going to be betrayed by people who should love you. You're going to be hurt by people in the church. You're going to be hurt by people who are, who are leaders and, and should not hurt you. But you'll go through, how many have ever experienced church hurt before? Church hurt is a real thing. It's a hard thing for people to get past. But you're going to go through church hurt. And, and so it's going to take time. And the Bible says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But I admonish you in the name of the Lord to endure sound doctrine. Come through the fire. Come through the winds. Come through the waves. Come through the difficult times. Hallelujah. Hold fast the profession of your faith. Glory to God. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to live for God. Now, folks, I've settled that in my spirit. It is not an option to turn my back on God. That's out. That's not an option. Now, I might have to grit my teeth. I might have to bear down. I might have to, I might have to put blinders on. But one way or another, heaven is going to be my home. Just like Brother Sizemore preached Sunday. That's one place I've got to go. Above all else, I must be saved. Above all else, I must be saved. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter what happens in this world, I must be saved. Hey, listen, don't get, don't get so uptight every time China sends out a hypersonic missile. Don't get so bent out of shape every time you hear some kind of an uproar between Israel and, and Palestine. Don't get so bent out of shape every time you read about North Korea and Iran. Because that's coming, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be a war like this world has never known. And the Bible speaks of four horsemen being released. But I want you to know, our eyes are fixed on the eastern sky. And we're looking for he that will come upon a white horse who is true and faithful and has a name above every name, a name that is written in heaven. That's what we're looking for. Hallelujah. I said that's what we're looking for. Glory to God. Armageddon is a real thing. A culmination of conflict is a real thing. It's going to happen. But just as sure as that's going to happen, my God shall deliver us. Woo, Come on, that's why do you, listen, why do you think we're preaching repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? I'll tell you why. We're doing it for the same reason Noah built an ark. That's the, that's the ark of the new covenant. Glory to God. Why, why do you think we're preaching, we're preaching repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the same reason that Abraham went down and said to Lot and his family, get up and get out. It's time to leave this city behind. Every time we get up and say, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, we're giving you the same message Abraham was giving to Lot. Because just as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days 
days that the Son of Man appears on the earth. And just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days the Son of Man shall come to the earth. Hallelujah. And the kingdom he's going to establish, it's already living inside of us. Listen, you have to live for God in such a way that the only thing that changes when the trumpet sounds is your body. You know, that's, that should be the only reason we have some struggles here and there is because of this body. That's why we have struggles is this body. The invisible parts of us, which is our soul and our spirit, those need to be submitted to God, as does our body. But you're in a fallen body. Your body is degrading as we speak. You are, you are never going to be as young as you are right now. You're younger than you'll ever be for the rest of your life. Amen. Glory to God. It's the reality. I mean, I was younger when this message started than what I am right now. As, I don't mean to depress anybody. I'm just telling you that this body has a destination. And, and, and so in order for me to, to, to live for God in the last days, I have to understand it's not about this physical frame. I'm going to bury this with Jesus Christ by baptism into his death, into his name, and I'll rise to walk in newness of life. And the Bible says that this body will be sown in dishonor. What that means is that it's, it's, it's kind of an, in, an, an indignity that comes upon our body when we pass away. You know, we're, we're not in our best shape. We're not in the prime of our life. Life. And we're our body, when it's sown or when it dies, it's a dishonorable thing. It, it's not an easy thing. It's our, we're at our weakest that we've ever been. We're, we, we are, we're crumbling. We're imploding. We're, we, it's, just, it's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in honor. Because when I come up out of that grave, and I will come up out of that grave. Yeah. Hallelujah. Uh, let me just tell you something. There is a reason why this world was a lot more afraid of COVID than the church was. Because this world is living for this life and this life alone. But we do not sorrow as the world sorrows. We take it seriously and we don't tempt the Lord our God. And we're careful and circumspect in all things. Not as wise or not as fools but as wise. But we don't live in fear. We walk by faith. Hallelujah. There's a reason. Because we have a hope beyond this life. I said we have a hope beyond this life. We have a joy beyond this world. We have a peace that passes all understanding. Woo! <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, while I'm on earth, I'm on assignment. This is not the end-all, be-all for me. I'm on assignment. I'm here destined for mission. I'm here to help people go to heaven. I'm here to help people come out of the bondage of this world. And, and when this body is shed, then, then you know what? That's the way it's going to be. I will enter into the paradise of God, and I'll await the resurrection of the dead. No, I'm not. Listen, by the grace of God, I'm not backsliding. By the grace of God, I'm not turning around. By the grace of God, I'm not throwing in the towel. Hallelujah. No, no. 
No, hey, hey, you missed your chance to do all that. You're no time for that kind of thing anymore. You better snap out of those doldrums. You better snap out of that carnality. You'd better snap out of that way of thinking that makes you think it's negotiable or it's optional. I don't know if I'm going to live for God. or You better live for God. It's the last days. Yeah. And what's not to love about living for God? What's not to love about having peace in your heart? What's not to love about having joy in your soul? Well, what's not to love about going to bed at night with, with contentment and comfort of soul and mind? Why don't you want that? Why don't you? Oh, oh, you've been deceived. That's what it is. That's what it is. You've been deceived. The deceiver has made you think that living for God is bondage. That living for God is some kind of a doldrum. Oh, it's a lie. Don't believe him. He's a liar. There is no truth in him. Living for God is the... You're not missing out. You've been called out. You, you, you've been called out of a world that is, is, is ready for the judgment of God to come upon it. And we don't take pride in that. We're so humbled and grateful that God, who is rich in mercy, would pull us up out of the world that we once were in. I just wonder, is there anybody here today that remembers when you were lost in, in the world? When your soul was sick with sin, when you didn't know how to break free from that bondage. Does anybody remember that? Does anybody remember when your mind was broken and your heart was shattered? Does anybody remember when you were too bitter to care about living for God? Does anybody remember when you were hopelessly addicted to chemicals that, that seemed to taunt you and hold you in bondage? Does, is there anybody here that remembers those days? And yet God... God, the loving God, the righteous God, the mighty God, step down into your. Woo! My God, hey, hey, we're not lucky. God is just good. That can, it can be that way for everybody. It can be that way for everybody. It can be that way for everybody. He can break the bondage of nicotine. He can break the bondage of alcoholism. He can touch your children's mind. Hallelujah. Right now, you've got fears about your children, and you're worried about them, and you know you can't control them, and you think that they're going to spiral out of control. It's time to come to the altar like Hannah came to the altar and say, Lord, let me give you my children. Let me put them in your hand. Hey, if you've never experienced it before, let me tell you, he's a prayer answering God. You just form those words in prayer and God will answer your prayer. Glory. Do you have worries? Do you have worries? Do you have worries in your heart and mind? Open up your mouth and tell God those worries and ask him to help you with those things. Don't just sit there and worry about it endlessly, endlessly, endlessly. 
and, and just obsessively being tormented by these thoughts, open up your mouth and say, Lord, I, I don't even know if I'm doing this right. You can be honest with God. God's a big God. He's really, he, knows, he already knows what you're thinking, but you have to give him the release to do it. God, I don't even know if I'm doing this right, but I need you to help me. And if it's your children, say, Lord, my children, I don't know what to do about it. They seem to be making worse and worse decisions. But I need you to move upon their heart, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. God will step down into your room, your prayer closet, wherever you are. And he will give you comfort. And he will begin moving upon your children's hearts and minds. Woo! Anybody know it's true? My God, you got to start practicing putting it in the hands of God. That's how you live for God in the last days. You live for God in the last days through communicating with him and saying, Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Help me be righteous. Help me be righteous. And you know God will help you be righteous. You know God will start convicting your heart about things. He'll come down and, and, and you'll, you, you know, some of you are addicted, not to a chemical maybe, but to this. And you look at this all day, every day, all day, every day, and you're so full of the negativity of news. Don't you know that these news media outlets, they're making money hand over fist off of your anxiety? Yeah, you got to know what's going on. But the Bible says, watch and pray. <laughs> And we, most of the time, we just watch. We just watch until we're depressed. Watch until we're scared to death. Watch until we're mad at somebody. But he said, watch and pray. Hallelujah. And you know, here's what ends up happening. You start watching and praying, and, and you start doing a lot more praying than you do watching. And every once in a while, you'll glance at the news, but you'll get immersed in the Bible. You'll glance at the news, but you'll get immersed in prayer. That's how you live for God in the last days. Praise God. That's how you live for God in the last days. You get immersed in the things of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, yeah, I know things are bad. And I'm not going to downplay it. I'm not going to underestimate it. I'm not going to act like it's all so great. I'm just going to tell you, you should have been there when Jesus first walked into this world. You think there was corruption in government now. You never saw such corruption as there was in the government when Jesus walked the earth. The, the, the way people lived in those days of Noah, those days of Lot, you, you, you can't imagine the barbarism. You can't imagine the perversion. And, and listen, that term perversion, you know, when I say perversion, it, 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 it has a myriad of different uh, uh, ideas that you may that may make you think of but understand what it etymologically it just means per version or or per verse verse has to do with speech and 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 what you say words and so forth so per version it in today's society they call it this they call it my truth per version it's per your version it's it's per your truth it's just everybody's individual truth, everybody's individual version. Whatever individual decides they want to believe, that's, that's what they believe. But truth isn't something that is per-individual. It's not a perversion that you get to keep and maintain. It's not your personal version. That's what perversion is. And when you start identifying what is right and what is wrong, that was the sin of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
It was, it was man thinking that he could know the difference between good and evil on his own. That, it was perversion. It was per his version of things. And, and, and that's not the way truth works. Truth is not arbitrary. And you don't get a truth, and then they get a truth, and then I get a truth, and then everybody gets a truth. That's not what truth is. Truth is forever settled in heaven. Jesus said it this way. He said, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word to the Father. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. That's truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. You want to live for God in the last days? You've got to love the truth. Woo, hallelujah. You've got to stand on the truth. You've got to believe the truth. And listen, this world is going to collapse on you trying to tell you that that's old-fashioned, that that's antiquated, that that is mean-spirited, that that's hateful for you to hold to the truth of God's Word. Hold to the truth of God's Word anyway. Because I'm going to tell you something, when the whole world is on fire, the truth will stand. When all the kingdoms of the world fall, the truth will stand. When all these personalities and all these talking heads and all these pundits and all these movements and all of these organizations and all these political parties and everything you can imagine, everybody who's got a, a thing to say about whatever they want to say, the truth at the end of the day will always stand. Amen. So just stand. Stand. Don't be afraid. Just stand. We know who we are. We're not afraid. We're not afraid. Listen, let me talk to you real quick about fear. And I'm coming to a close. But let me talk to you a little bit about fear. Living for God in the last days means that we don't fear. Now, here's the thing. Fear is natural. It is. In fact, the Bible says something interesting. It says to fear the Lord. Now, it also says to fear no evil. So the same Bible that tells us to not fear evil tells us to fear God. Okay? And I know that we say, well, those are two different kind of fears. They're actually not. They both mean moral reverence. So it's saying to morally revere God and don't morally revere evil. That's all it means. And so when we talk about fear, we think, when I say you need to fear God, I know what you think. Immediately you think, well, I know the Bible says that, but that doesn't make a lot of sense because I don't want to dread God. I don't want to have anxiety about talking to God. I don't want to fear God. No, fear doesn't have dread or anxiety in it. It's when you fear the wrong thing that you get fear and dread and anxiety. That's what happens. That's when you get dread and anxiety is when you fear the wrong thing. Now, all fear is is moral reverence. So when you morally revere sickness, you'll get dread and anxiety. Or when you morally revere war, you'll get dread and anxiety. When you morally revere the devil, you'll get dread and anxiety. You'll start worrying and fretting. But when you fear God or morally revere God, you won't get dread and anxiety. You'll get peace and you'll get wisdom. That's why, the, so, so, so here's the thing. That's why, just like you're not to worship anything but God, you're not to fear anything but God. And just like you're not to put faith in anything but God, you're not to put fear anything but God. If I put my faith in something that's not God, I'm going to get all messed up. If I worship something that's not God, I'm going to get all messed up. 
And the same is true as if I fear anything but God. If I fear something that's not God, and I exalt it to this level of morally revering it, I, I revere it morally and I humble myself before it, I'm going to be filled with all sorts of anxiety and worry and fret and dread. But when I fear God, and He's all that I fear, I don't fear anything but Him. I don't fear anything but Him. And I humble myself before Him because He is morally revered. Then I get peace and I get wisdom. Glory to God. You know, you, know, you, know why I, you know why I will speak evil of no person? Do you want to know why? It's because I fear God. I will speak evil of no man because I fear God. That doesn't mean I dread God and I'm anxious of God. It means that I morally revere Him and I know He has all power and I'm not going to speak evil of those who are made in His image. Glory to God. There, listen, when you really start fearing God, you'll stop doing things out of fearing God. And it'll make you holy, and it'll make you righteous. And nobody will have to get up and tell you what to do and not to do, what to do and not to do, what to do and not to do. No, the Holy Ghost inside of you will begin to tell you, don't do that, don't do this, don't go there, don't say that. Don't have that feeling against that person because you fear God. And when you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else. We're not afraid of what's happening in our world today. We are the answer to what's happening in our world today. We're not afraid of what's going to happen in the end time. We know we're going to have revival in the end time. We're not afraid of what China's going to do. We know that regardless of who does what, we're going to have a Holy Ghost end time apostolic revival harvest in these last days. Come on, Lot's sons and daughters and daughters-in-law. It's time to be righteous. It's time to be prayerful. It's time to be faithful. It's time to serve the Lord. Woo, glory. I said it's time to serve the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody lift up your hands to him right now and just give him praise. Would you do that? Come on, just lift up your hands and give him praise. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God's going to give you victory tonight. God's going to give you victory tonight in the name of the Lord. God's going to give you victory in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We're going to live for God in these last days. These last days are the best days. I said these last days are the best days. Praise God, praise God, praise God. These last days are the best days. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. You ought to wake up every day wondering what's God going to do now? What's God going to do next? Who's going to come to God today? Who's going to text me and say, I've been in my house reading my Bible, praying, and the Spirit of the Lord is moving upon my heart. Those are the days we're living in. You get ready for politicians to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You get ready for city leaders to be baptized in Jesus' name. You get ready. This is Holy Ghost time. This is revival time. This is the last days. These are the days we were made for. These are the days we were made for. Glory. Hey, let me tell you something. 
I've got, I've got a grandbaby. I've got a grandbaby that was just born and a great niece that was just born. And we got all kind of little babies being born into the church in, in these last days. We're not afraid of raising them up in these last days. You want to know why? Because we're the church of the living God. And we're in the ark of safety. And we're going to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And we're going to make sure they're in the house of God. And every trial they go through, we're going to pray them through that trial. We know how to pray. We know how to touch God. And we're going to teach them the word of the Lord. My God, somebody believe that in Jesus' name? Somebody believe that? It's time to understand. It's Holy Ghost time. I feel the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you something. God's going to put his hand upon the young people of this church and the children of this church in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I rebuke every lie of the devil off of them right now in the name of Jesus. They're back there in the youth outing right now, and God's going to minister to them, and they're going to grow up and be strong prayer warriors. They're going to be strong in the house of God. They're going to love the Lord. They're going to raise their families to serve the Lord. How many want those promises? Somebody reach out right now and say, Lord God, Lord God, that's me. I believe it. 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 In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder, I want somebody here that says, I'm going to be one of those righteous that spares the city. I'm going to be, count me in that number. Count me, Lord, in that number of the righteous who will spare the city. My God, stand with me if you would. Stand with me in this house with uplifted hands and uplifted hearts. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Brother Brandon Jordan, I live for God because he loves me and I love him. And, and I live for him because I want to be with him forever. But there's another reason I live for him. Brother Williams, I live for him because I know my family needs me to live for him. Ha <laughs> My God, I, I live for him because I know there are people in this house that need me to live for the Lord. You need me to fight battles, and I need you to fight battles. Hallelujah. Come on, I need you to make it through that thing alive. I need you to pray through that struggle, and you need me to pray through. I need you to be righteous, and you need me to be righteous. Yes, you do, and I need you. I need you to be a prayer warrior. It helps my faith when you overcome, and it helps your faith when I overcome. I'm not just doing this for myself. I'm doing this for you and for my kids. And you're not just doing this for yourself. You're doing this for your brother and your sister and your church and your city. Hallelujah. My God, it gives me joy. It gives me joy. Let me tell you something. You want to know why David fought that bear and fought that lion? It wasn't, it wasn't so that David would survive. All David had to do was leave. And he would have survived. That lion and bear didn't care anything about David. They wanted the flock. That's who they wanted. They wanted the flock. David fought like the life of the flock depended on him winning the battle. And I want you to know the life of your flock. Whatever your flock is.
whether it's your children, your grandchildren, your siblings, whoever your flock is, you've got to fight your battles like their lives depend on it. Because that's who the enemy's really after. He's after the people around you. That's, that's who he's really after. Why the devil would want to tear me down he would want to tear me down brother Vols, so that he can get to the people around me but that's not going to happen because my hope is not in me my hope is in the Lord you know, the reason the enemy's fighting you so hard is not about you it's about your wife and your children it's about your husband it's about your grandchildren it's about your brothers and sisters in the church who look to you for inspiration you got to stand strong live for God in these last days. You got to live for God in these last days. Glory, glory, glory. I wonder, could you do, could you do something? Could you do something for the person next to you? Could you do something for me, for these folks up here? Could you just lift your hands and begin to worship God? I know you're doing it. For, I know you're doing it for you, but you don't have no idea the blessing you are to the person next to you right now. You have no idea the blessing you are. Your faithfulness to God is helping me. It helps them. It's helping your children. Ah, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, man of God. You've got to win that battle. Come on, woman of God. You got to fight on through. Come on, I want some people that are in a battle right now to come forward and say, God, I need you to stand with me. God, I'm going to make it through this struggle. I'm going to beat this in Jesus' name. Ha. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'll stand. Lord, not abandoned, yes, Lord. Son <laughs> who paid it all, yeah. I'll stand with the heart. Yes, Lord. I said, God's giving you the victory right now. God is giving you the victory. I will stand with to you surrender. Oh, yeah. I'm going to stand. And heart abandoned. Yes,
Oh, God's doing something. God's doing something right now. 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 Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That's it. Victory, 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 victory. to give somebody victory over a specific kind of fear right now because the Bible says fear not him who can destroy your body but fear him who can destroy your body and soul in hell he is saying only fear the Lord because the Lord can destroy your body and soul in hell but don't fear him who can destroy your body and we have dealt with the last year and a half a continual fear of that which can destroy the human body. And God said, don't fear that anymore. Don't fear it anymore. I want every person that's struggling with some kind of fear of sickness, some kind of fear of the unknown, some kind of fear of some doctor's report, maybe you've got some health condition that, that you're trying to keep under control and it just, that fear rises up occasionally. I want you right now to claim your victory in Jesus Christ and say, God, I'm not gonna fear anything but you. 
You're the only one who deserves my moral reverence. I will not give, I will not give place to that which seeks to destroy my body. I will not give place to it anymore. Lord, I only fear you. I only fear you. I know you tell him all the time, I love you, Jesus. But I want you to open up your mouth and say, Lord, I fear you. I fear you and I praise you. I fear. Fear is a good thing when you put it in God. Fear is a good thing, hallelujah, when you morally revere God. Take fear from everything else that you're involved with and put it in the Lord. And God's going to give you victory right now. He's going to break every chain off of you in Jesus' name. He's going to break every chain off of you in Jesus' name. We're going to sing this again, and when we do, I want you to begin to praise God because the chains are broken and the weight is lifted. Come on, I want you to praise God because the chains are broken and the weight is lifted. Woo!
you to praise God with these precious young people right now. Come on, give God praise with these young people right now. These young people are on fire for God. Come on, give God praise that they're on fire for God. Woo! Look at them talking in tongues. Look at them getting the victory. Look at them trampling the lion and the adder. Come on and give God praise for it right now. <laughs> This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I fight. 